0: You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. Welcome to the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You are joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I am your host, Brent Bergherm, and I'm joined by Connor Hibbs and Jeff Harmon. Hey, fellas. Hello. Hey there! Good to have you here. And I'm really excited about this topic that we're going to talk about today in this episode. We're going to talk about personal projects. And what I mean by that, it's projects we do that's just for us, or maybe something that we do that is going to, you know, hopefully help us push us to that next level of creativity. Maybe we feel we're in a little bit of a slump. Maybe there's something new we want to learn. Maybe it's just a passion project. So, we're gonna talk about those kinds of things. So I'll start out by describing a project I did several years ago, and I'll have all of the breakdown on my personal website. And I'll certainly put some of the photos on the show notes as well. And certainly I think most of you probably recall, I'm more of the travel landscape type shooter, but this is actually a studio shooting. And I I really do like shooting in the studio. I just don't you know, talk about it a whole lot. Uh, it's not my normal work, but. I do enjoy getting into the studio from time to time, and I've got a few things to talk about here. And so I just wanted to start with the first one, and it's called Protea Chop. And so what this is about is what I did, I ended up taking these miniature figurines where, you know, you have like little uh, railroad, uh, you know, model railroad type setups, and you have these little figurines, these little figures that you can do. And so I bought some... uh, little models. They're probably about an inch tall, and they re- resemble lumberjacks. And so I first started off by photographing these and then just kind of going on. But first off, I, I think I should probably start, fellas, by having you guys look at the final picture. Uh, it's in the head there of the uh, of that blog post, but if you scroll way down, you can see the final picture. And I think I'll describe the final picture first, and then I'll go and talk through you know, how I built this image. So yeah. the protea is a very unique flower. I I, I, sh- I shouldn't have said that because I don't like to use the term very and unique in the same sentence. But anyway, <laughs> it's a unique flower. And it has these little uh, alien looking like tendrils that come up and then they have this little, almost a ball of something or rather at the very tip. And uh, so they're red. And so I kind of thought, well, you know, these are kind of like lumberjacks. Their job is to go harvest the forest of protea flowers. And so the final scene is I've got this field in the background. It's kind of darkened. I've got some guys working. Some guys just kind of chilling and hanging out. Some guys are chopping away, but what they're doing is they're taking away at, at this protea, the, this whole field of protea. And so that was the end result. It was just kind of fun. And it's not the perfect rendition of, you know, blending those guys in and making them feel legit and real. Because let's face it, they're little figurines. They're not that detailed. <laughs> yeah. But it was kind right. of fun to do.
1: No, totally. It, it, something something like this is... It, a thing that I like about that is that it's really challenging. It, it's actually something that I'll end up talking about when talking about personal work of my my type. is it, when, when it's not the thing that you do primarily, yeah. finding ways to challenge yourself is really fun. And, and something just looking at this image that I actually found um, most interesting in looking at the blog post was that I when I first saw the image, I actually totally thought that all of the protea flowers um, were there in the field. I didn't realize that that part was also composited together too. And I mean, yeah, as you said, you can only have so much detail with little tiny figurines um, that are put there, but yeah, it's, it's a fun image and definitely a cool way to kind of challenge yourself.
2: Yeah. I love it. I love the the whole concept of like establishing a creative vision and then doing something that's, Maybe not in your will. Well, you know, the things you don't normally do. Yeah. That's how we're going to learn and grow as 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 photographers. We we have to challenge ourselves with it. So having that creative vision and then realizing it and you got a fantastic result. It's, that's a super fun experience. I love it. Oh, yeah.
0: It was it definitely helped really solidify. And actually, I'm only showing uh, on this post two of the ones of this overall project. Uh, I actually did uh, four in total with the little figurines. The first two, it was just like my practice. I was like, mm, no, I'm not going to show those. <laughs> but <laughs> but on these these two that I'm going to show here, um, you know, I think they actually came pretty out pretty good. I'm fairly proud of them. I finished these, boy, these, this is probably at least six years ago now that I did this project. Oh, wow. And it was, um, it really just sealed the deal with, with that idea of studio lighting because th- these are in the studio. I've got regular studio flashes going. And it really just helped seal that deal with getting that studio lighting just down pat. Because I had an idea. I, I certainly knew how to meter light. I knew those basic ideas. But as far as really getting what I needed, uh, this really helped a lot. Although there is one bit in there, as you mentioned, Connor, it's, um, it, it's a composite. So I literally had one protea and I photographed it full with just, you know, it's all this stuff on it. And then I started cutting off some pieces and I would photograph it again, then I'd cut off more pieces and photograph it again. So I have several, as far as my original images are concerned, I have several where those uh, red items are are chopped off. And I decided to just go with the bare flowers, one that is half and then one that they're just starting to work on as far as the end result. And I figured that, you know, helps simplify it a little bit. But as you scroll into the middle of that post, you'll see that I have a bunch of images where the background is really gray. And this is where, again, I really learned a lot about that control. And is, I just wish I had really punched that background. My job in post-production would have been a lot easier right, if I had right. done that. So that's yep. definitely one thing I learned on how to punch that background, but not punch it so hard that you're going to get a lot of, um, a lot of uh, lens flare coming through. And then I just took one of my standard images from the Walla Walla Valley here of a wheat field with some bright, fluffy clouds up above. And I used like the bottom 20% or less of that image for the wheat field. And that's what came became the background. And so then I just composited those elements in Photoshop, provi- uh, you know, did a blur, stacked them, put them in rows. And then I didn't really worry about the stems going all the way to the bottom because there was a lot of overlap and they were just going to be blocked. So uh, those ones in the foreground certainly had to go all the way to the bottom, but not the background ones. They're just kind of poking up, and they get progressively blurry as you go through.
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: I mean, that was part of the thing that kind of
1: helped sell it for me when I was sure. looking at it, thinking that it was real. Was um, just the, the sometimes when you do a blur in composites to to kind of make things look like they're out of focus, it doesn't quite look right. Where in the way that you have it, it looks very convincing. Oh, good, yeah. uh, thank you. Yeah. And and that that was something that was part of the reason why my brain was tricked initially into thinking that all those flowers were actually there in the field was just, yeah. I didn't realize that now, now that I look at it, I mean, all of the order that you see in the flowers and the way that they're placed, like, of course that wouldn't be naturally the way right. that it was, but, <laughs> yeah. but it, you know, it, it really takes engaging my brain to get to that point where I can realize, Oh, maybe, Oh, that's not how it's supposed to be. Right, that's right. not how it
2: actually was. You know, it's, it's great work. Cool. It, and that's not really the point to say that you have to convince you know make it so yeah. people can't tell that you composite that's not my right. objective no right. no no not an a project the objective like is is yeah that's right creating it uh because you know these little guys aren't there chopping down the plant the plants that's right <laughs> off the bat it's it's not real it's, yeah yeah <laughs> so uh so it's cool i just i like it a lot and you did a great job yeah, yeah it's nice thanks. the most challenging part
0: was getting the shadows just right to to come off of the guys because those are completely hand rendered right as you look at the details, it's like mm, that. That was that. That was hard to do, but the overall, as far as pixel count, it's like seventy eight hundred pixels wide. Uh, the original, so I've got plenty of detail to work with, and uh, worked out pretty well. Uh, the second one in the same genre, using some some miniatures. Uh, I I bought some, you know, a ladder, and uh, these guys look like painters, and so they have little paint brushes in their hands, and so I'm just using a quick uh color mask idea in photoshop so it looks like they're taking this close in super macro detail of a flower and they're painting the color on the flower so you have a black and white you know quote original and then they're going and they're reaching out and they're painting in that color and so they have little paint brushes with the paint that matches so that was just kind
2: of cute and fun too that one's i i like it too it's really fun to to try to stretch your skills and make it like try and it, it's such a different thing. This and helps you learn Photoshop way better yeah. to take, to challenge yourself with something like this. Cause it's, it is so hard to put it together and make it look pretty convincing. And yeah, you can totally tell that, you know, what, understanding what you're trying to portray is not hard. This is really easy to be able to see what you're trying to portray and wow, it's, it looks like a lot of fun. It makes me want to go buy some figures.
0: <laughs> cool. <laughs> and then you know working on that mask to make it feel like it's got that brush stroke so it's not just that perfect edge of of color transition you know that took a, a, a bit of doing to uh, testing out and making that happen and then applying the paint to the fellows so it you know they look dirty uh doing all that digitally um that was certainly a
2: blast oh so even the paint on the painters is you did that yeah oh yeah. that is super convincing that's cool. there yeah, yeah that's, i, I that's thought you were really I thought you painted that on them. So wow, that's cool. No, and then
0: then the final one is actually a completely different project. And right now they're just kind of in in random uh, mode uh, as far as the the sequencing of the images. So we'll just start with the the first one that's showing there. This is actually I had a couple of years ago in one of my classes at the university. I had a student, I invited them to think about crazy ideas. And I said, hey, if you want to do something, let me help you do that. And so this guy, he's like, you know, I want to shoot things with my pellet gun. And I was just like, um, I don't know if you can do, <laughs> I don't think I can allow you to do that by yourself. So I actually was like, okay, I'll do it with you. So we actually went into the studio and we set up an egg. And then I set up his, I helped him set up his camera. Then I set up my camera as well, because I'm like, this is too good. I can't not do this so he brought in like two dozen eggs we set out a whole bunch of stuff on the floor to hopefully capture uh <laughs> the these the the residue and the folks that in, in custodial that take care of all this uh weren't too happy with me but uh, <laughs> so what he did was and then i set up a, a catch behind so he you know the the pellet would not damage hopefully the wall behind and so i set the the shutter speed this is actually the first one with the egg is actually just a hot light and so I set the shutter speed at about a quarter of a second. And because I figured, you know, I need to have some kind of time to allow that image, you know, that whatever's going to happen to happen. And I don't have any automated way to say, okay, let's make sure both these things happen at the same time, you know, he's firing the, the pellet gun, I'm running the cameras. And so I just counted down. I was like three, two, one, boom. And, we got just various iterations, so some of them the egg was recorded just before impact. Some of them it's just obliteration, and I actually titled this um this series oblivion and so it's just about almost luck really when it comes to getting that egg and then having the yolk in the and the white of the egg just going everywhere yeah <laughs> and then the and then the other ones that are on there is actually a Uh, block of ice that we also hit with it but uh, that's actually with a stroboscopic flash and so we have the flash going I forget the rate that we did it but it just goes in a strobe and so it's a long exposure but it's one exposure and we have the flash going off as that piece of ice is going through the the scene or several pieces of ice going through the scene so we're just chipping away at this big block of ice
2: Ah, yeah, as they're coming off, you can see it moving through as the strobes on off on off on off. I get it. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then we did some others with uh water filled Christmas ornament and some uh, other egg on a bottle and other stuff like that that I don't necessarily have all of them posted here, but um just lots of good stuff just having fun, making a huge mess in the studio. <laughs> and um cleaning most of it up, but some of the residue I didn't clean up and uh but it was still a, a great shoot. That's cool. That's fun. So, Connor, tell us about your your projects, yeah. your, your idea yeah. of how you approach this idea.
1: So, in general, when talking about personal projects, um, one of the biggest difficulties is finding the time to do personal projects versus just being busy with work. So, I'm actually kind of sad to say that I haven't shot anything fun or creative for, like, personal sake in uh, probably seven or eight months, it's been a while. So I, I kind of have to do that when I'm a bit slower with everything, but um, in general, I've the last few years, I've had two kinds of things that I, I do for personal work. So um, on one hand, I think that it's really important to use personal projects to promote what you would ideally like to do. And um, yeah. when I was talking with you guys before we started recording, I actually realized that one of these projects that I'm gonna be talking about is something that, I haven't posted anywhere and I shot this (laughs) last October, last November, somewhere right around there. And, and I just realized like, oh, I didn't post it on my Instagram. I didn't, I I think that I posted it in the Facebook groups, uh, but I don't have it on my website or anything else. So I just put it up on my website so we can actually look at the work and talk about it in that capacity. Um, But yeah, so it's, it's something that I sometimes will just shoot because I want to find ways to challenge myself and, Just different ideas that I have. So the first thing that I I like to do is I like to try and replicate a look of a painting. So this is something that I do with portrait work in studio. And I I, it kind of just started out with wanting to do um, painterly lighting In studio with a typical studio background behind the person and then I I was like oh you know what I want to put some more production value into this so I'm gonna start um, finding and renting dresses and things for models to be in and start doing more hair and makeup to challenge that side of what I was doing and then once I started doing a bit of that and I realized like you know what I I should start compositing these and so I, I actually did a video tutorial think it was last year um last year where i composited a a model that was in this like uh renaissance era dress into this um, awesome church background and have kind of moved beyond that where the perspective wasn't quite quite right in the composite partially because of um I just was forced to shoot the model before I shot the background and then realized, oh, yeah, uh, well, I didn't realize. I already knew. But it's easier to match your person into the background than it is to find a background that matches the way that you shot a person because perspective um, matters. Mm, yes. So it's it, it's something that I – it's not a single body of work. I couldn't put all of these images out as a collection because it's kind of a growth process. It's it's me learning how to do different things and finding different new ways to challenge myself, and that's something that I like to do. I like to have kind of a central focus, which is I want to create painterly portraits and find different ways to challenge myself in doing that. Um, then the the other thing that I do well. Do you, I'm
2: sorry. Did you guys want to
1: actually talk about? The images?
2: <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's you're going to have links in the show notes to these images, so everyone can yeah. check them out, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, so, I, I mean, it's stunning work, Connor. It's just, <laughs> it's really stunning work to to see it. And you're concerned about the perspective, but I think you sold it super well there. I I don't think it's it's all that out of place. Uh, I think you'd have a hard time. People would not immediately look at this and go oh wait that there's no way that girl was in that room
1: so so sorry let me interrupt you here because (laughs) that one the the one with the girl in the red dress that's in the red palatial room that's the one where i'm like okay that's when i actually got my perspective oh all right right.
0: well Um, and you also did a fantastic job of matching the light so it's not just the perspective of position of the camera and the model and the in the room But the light, as it relates to the quality of light coming from the right-hand side, you have this big, what presumably looked like a big, huge window, and then you just match that in the studio with a super-duper soft approach uh, on the model, and that really helps sell it as well.
1: Well, thank thank you very much for saying so. I mean, it was something that... talking we're talking about this image of this woman in a red dress in this red palatial room and it's something that um i i really realized you know what i want to match this and make it look perfect so i i shot with i made sure that i was calculating my angles i was actually kind of doing rough composites in front like with her there so i'd kind of shoot at an angle that i thought was about right and on a tripod quickly cut her out and see if it matched up with the perspective of Uh, the room itself so I could match my perspective, right? All of this was paying attention to the lighting that was in the room itself. So I was paying attention to those big windows that were off to the side there and kind of realized, Oh, you know what? I have these other little lamps that are kind of behind her. Um, So on the site, the side of her opposing where the the main key light is coming from, I added just a little hint of light coming in from that direction because sure. I want to be able to sell that there. Uh, but also, if, if you're looking at the composite, things that I paid attention to that might not be um, immediately ev- evident is it, I I have a reflection in the floor of where her dress is uh-huh. because I noticed. Oh, you know what? All of the, the you can see a little bit of the window and a little sure. bit of everything else in there. So the floor was kind of reflective, and making sure that I'm lining up these fake shadows so they look at least somewhat believable. I think in total, I I probably spent ten hours editing this image. Wow. When I mean, I I shot the background plate. It was. On a tour, we walked into the room and everybody was standing around and kind of crowding in the room. And I just waited until everybody kind of crept out and quickly just took my shot, paying attention to everything that I wanted to. But it, even in the background, there's a lot of cleanup. There were um, railings all around all of these little uh, red pillowed benches and things. Oh, that that had that'd be to, you know, annoying. Clean all of those up. So make it look like this room is actually empty. There's stuff sitting on the table that has this vase on it. Sorry that we're talking so much specifically about an image. If you're (laughs) just listening to this and driving or something else, it's just hard to
2: explain. But you just have to go to to masterphotographypodcast.com and get the show notes and you'll be right there to the end. That would be awesome. (laughs) Exactly what we're talking about. Um, (laughs) But
1: this was kind of – it, it was a culmination of a bunch of different projects that kind of came together to say, all right, this this is really, I want to make sure that this looks flawless and that you wouldn't be able to tell that she wasn't there in this room. And it's probably one of the, the composites I am most proud of of this variety, of of a person sitting in a scene. We'll see what this upcoming winter and slow season has. I want to do a lot more compositing and uh, maybe take steps beyond what I've done here. Uh, but right now, this is probably, of this type of personal work, the piece that I am most proud
2: of. Did you have the background first on this one then?
1: Yeah, yeah, so this one I had the background first. That other link that I posted where it's kind of the girl in front of the white um, right. Gothic arches. That one I had to shoot her before I shot the background, and I I shot with the knowledge that okay, I'm probably not going to match my perspective, which is why she's not actually standing in the scene. Yeah. Um, and with my light in a way that I was like, all right, there's a pretty good chance that I can find something that will be believable in this instance. And I I still think it looks good, but for somebody that has a trained eye, you can definitely see hallmarks of it being a composite versus it being shot in that scene. I, I don't think that that really matters. Ultimately, I think if the image looks good, the image looks good, and it's something I'm still very proud of. It was just you know, a step in the progression of what I was trying to do ultimately. Sure.
2: Well, and the end result, again, is not to not to fake everyone out and make them not say that it's a composite. I mean, great yeah. if, if they do. It was the learning process that you were going through, and you, you kind of have a creative vision of what you were going for and how exactly. you get there and, and what you're doing with it. It doesn't really even matter, but you learned a ton about light probably and, and the the Photoshop tools that you have available to you to do things. And now you, you're those, those tools are available to you with every shoot you do now, um, that carries with you. Now you, you've increased your ability to react to the scenes that you have in your other portraits, your normal portrait work and, and be able to use them there and leverage it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, just to, to talk about one other uh, shot that i have in this progression um, if you go to the the I think it's the third link in that list that I have there. It's the girl in the golden dress that's sitting next to a, a, a lakeside. That was something that I didn't composite. That was something that I actually shot on the scene. And that was actually around the same, t- kind of in between these other two projects. So I was really pushing to do a lot of these dresses in different circumstances and trying out different techniques. And one of the things that I, I practice with this, it's not necessarily super evident when you're first looking at it but pretty much all of the background behind it is stuff that i've I've gone through and used um, like the oil painting layers in photoshop and it has kind of an extra painterly effect that when blown up really large is very obvious Ooh. and it's it's something like i just wanted to play around with that side in photoshop where it's like okay well how can i make a painterly effect um or this kind of dreamy effect after the fact rather than um or after the fact in that I've shot this scene already, how can I change it around? Versus um, trying to build everything up from a composite and creating something like that. Um, so it's, it's, I guess all of these, it's like every time I have a personal project of this variety, it's just trying to pick out different types of things that I can do to challenge myself um, And yeah, as you said, then you have these tools that you can learn from in the future. Um, So I I think that personal work without a goal or um, without a challenge is, I mean, you're just shooting the same thing over and over then, and that's not very fun or interesting. Um, But at the same time, having something where you say, okay, I want to use these old timey looking dresses and models and and do stuff like that, it gives you a purpose or, or an end result. It helps you focus what you want the idea to be and then it I, I don't know then you can find your challenges in that
0: absolutely good stuff and then and this image uh with the girl next to the the creek the river you know that that lighting it, it makes me kind of feel the same idea on that first composite that you told talked about with the red dress where this, yeah. that lighting is so soft the the model is just you know radiant uh but here you brought that all into, into one shot and so it's just doing it on site rather than you know not on site so yeah success is all around that's that's really good the the other type of personal work that i do it's
1: it's something that um actually some of the stuff in the link that i have here isn't even technically personal work it's stuff that has been paid for because um they i found people that liked the personal work that i was doing um but i in my free time, um, I really like exploring the world of whiskeys and not heavy drinking or anything. I, I like <laughs> tasting them um, and collecting different bottles. And as such, I was, I kind of had an interest in doing product photography. I think that anybody that's been a long time listener probably knows that I do a bit of product type stuff here in their commercial work. And that I, I like to shoot bottles of whiskey because it kind of helps me bring those two things together. If I don't have anything else that I have off the top of my head, I like to find little projects that I can bring together. And part of the reason that I like product photography is because it allows me um, a lot of really specific detailed type work. Um, portrait, portrait photography, you have to be very much in the moment and just be paying attention to exactly the situation that you're in and look for that perfect expression and it's very, you get it now or it's not there. Where product photography is something that you can really take your time and just get everything just perfect in exactly the way that you want to and then line everything up and composite it later. So a lot of my, my product photography work, it's all post-processed. It's all all composited images in Photoshop. So I'll, I'll set up a camera on a tripod and move my lights around. So it's almost like light painting and that's, I don't know, it's a fun other type of challenge. So you in this link that I have here, I'll actually post a few other photos. Um, if I can find some other examples of non-bottle specific work that I have. I have one that are these kind of makeup brushes. That's one of my favorite um, product still life shots that I've ever taken. Um, it's the real techniques, makeup brushes that my wife bought at one point. And I was like, ooh, before you use those, let me take pictures of them. And then... The the rest of the images here are um, b- both mock and real ads that I have shot for um, the whiskey distilleries. And all of those are things that have been light painted. And some of them, I, I mean, technically they're all composited together, but the, when it's, light painted compositing, you're just kind of overlaying the same images where these ones for the Axe and the Oak distillery, I actually went and shot those background plates separate from the bottles and composited those together, matched my perspective and tried to sell the fake as much as I could. And mm-hmm. uh, again, it's just, it's a, a a different kind of challenge that I really enjoy.
0: So when you say you're, you're light painting, basically you've got the the product still, the camera still, and you're taking different frames with the light in different areas or different locations around the product
1: yeah yeah and then just brush like overlaying all of those lining up all of the different image layers and then just brushing in the areas where i wanted light and it makes it really easy with sure. models to control refraction and oh yeah when you'll get you know highlights on the backside of a glass that you don't want there okay well i just paint in the highlight that i want to i think that real Full-time product photographers would say I'm cheating and that that's not okay. And truthfully, it's not the most economic way to go about <laughs> doing this. You, you spend a lot more time doing it to get it perfect rather than maybe if I was more experienced and smart, I could get these all perfect in camera the first time. Um, but it's it's a, a fun challenge. And I think that awesome.
0: the, the results speaks more than the technique that gets you there. Sure. I I was debating whether showing a a, a glass piece myself because that's one of my assignments in my uh, studio class is to have a a glass object, but without any of those specular highlights. And so they have to learn to control that light. And uh, certainly when you're compositing, it's just so easy because you can move that light wherever you want. Oh, I'll just mask (laughs) out that little area. No problem. And it (laughs) takes, you know, 30 seconds or so in Photoshop. So it's a lot easier to do. Uh, and when you need front lighting, it's it's super easy if you just do a backlit and have the the light come through the product. Yeah. But certainly with these, that wouldn't work so well. You've got the labels, you've got the other lettering on the bottles. You can't survive with just backlit type stuff. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: No, you, you definitely need some front light. I mean, I've yeah. seen great looking shots that had more side light, that were at one or two light setups, where realistically, I think that it, if you could do all of these things for the most part, Straight out of camera, but it would take just five, ten lights, and then you have flags and reflectors all over the place to get it just so. And in that instance, I'm like I'd rather not have to take all the time to figure out exactly yeah. where a flag needs to be placed to remove that little specular highlight that's not where I want it. Exactly. I'd rather just paint in the areas that I want. And if I don't have it quite perfect, even then i'll I'll kind of um do other Photoshop magic to get it looking the way that I want to. But yeah, yeah, makes that, sense. that's the other kind of personal work that I do.
2: Okay, Sweet. Connor, really quick, you got to tell them what flags are.
1: Oh, okay. Um, so a flag Ow. is essentially the opposite of a reflector. A, a reflector, you're trying to bounce light into the areas that you want. And a flag is something that you will use to either get in between the light and something that you don't want the light hitting, or you can actually use it as... What would be considered a negative reflector so you actually absorb the light into that so it doesn't bounce bounce back onto the subject it's really common in product photography especially you'll use flags to just kind of narrow the light to only the places that you want i'll occasionally use um, flags in uh, people photography but that's really more for the negative absorption of light rather than um or the negative reflection of light, rather than trying to block off light from different areas. Um, but a flag is just, it, it's a thing that you put in the way of a light to make sure it doesn't hit an area you don't want it to hit.
0: Yeah, something right. that casts a shadow. Yeah. And other photographers will also call them gobos for go-betweens. So. Well,
1: see, I, I, I consider a gobo something slightly different, though. Okay. Uh, because a, a, a flag... It usually...
0: could be a diffuser, I guess.
1: Yeah, a, a, a gobo is really just something, anything... It, from what I've understood, I I know it's it, I've always heard it meaning um, go between. So it goes between the light yeah. and the subject. So technically, yeah, you put a, a flag in between the light and the subject. But usually, I will see gobos either as a diffusion panel right. or as um, what is called a cookie. So a cookie you okay. can cast a distinct shape with. Yep, uh, and and. Here I'll uh, I'll post one other image that's not technically personal work, but it's a good example of a what I would consider a gobo slash cookie, and it's just on my it's actually the first image that I have in my portfolio on my website. But it's this girl that has a very thin strip of light that goes across her eyes. This was an image that um, during. My second workshop at the retreat this year, the class, I, I do a challenge where they have to recreate lighting that I have done. And this was an image that they chose despite me <laughs> and saying, like, you do not want to do this one. It, you're, it's going to take you very a, a long time to figure out. And they actually did a great job That's to great. the point where um, they they might have actually done it better than I did <laughs> <laughs> nice. after some some lip biting and frustration from me being like come on you're so close just just get there but um, shout out to all of you guys who who did that work because it was yeah um but yeah that's that is what i would consider a a gobo or a cookie is something that you use to kind of augment the light to direct its shape even more specifically um than a flag which you kind of just use to
2: block off light the from shade. certain areas. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Every every industry's got it. These terms that yeah. mean something <laughs> to the industry, but when you talk about it, like I mean the IT stuff, I could go on that the terms, <laughs> it's insane. And and a lot of times it's even just acronyms. It's not even a real word. Right? So anyway. Yeah. So I, I try to look out for people whenever we talk about stuff that <laughs> you're you're that much better at spotting those when they happen than I am. And I, I
0: appreciate that, Josh.
2: Yeah, it's definitely appreciated, I'm sure, by,
0: by lots of people. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about Jeff's project right after we thank our sponsors for this episode. This episode is brought to you by Create Photography Retreat. The retreat is happening this March in Las Vegas, Nevada, and it's from March 28 to 30, 2019, where you can capture, process, and create photography. Take a look at the website, createphotographyretreat.com, and you'll be able to see a list of all the presenters there. Many of our podcast hosts are there, and other folks like Jenna Martin, Nick Page, Greg Benz, Alice Bender, and and a lot more. Right now, the price is only $417. That'll get you all access to all retreat items for those three days. It's a great experience for photographers of all levels who want to increase what they're doing with photography. Maybe you'll even make some new lifelong friends in this wonderfully supportive environment. And as they say on their website, our community is built to grow your passion and support your creativity. So look it up today, sign up and plan to go createphotographyretreat.com. So Jeff, how about you?
2: What kind of project do you have for us? I, I didn't mean to. I didn't know what all of our themes would be, but I'm going to carry on the compositing theme. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I, maybe it's just a, an indicator that this is a really good way to continue to improve your skills and and invigorate your photography. If if you feel like you're in a rut, then this might be something to look to, even if it's not your genre. If you're not doing portraits, you're not doing project work, whatever it is that you normally shoot, and, and it, this isn't what you do normally, uh, it's a good, good way to be able to talk about or to to improve your your photography and uh, and then reinvigorate. It. All right, so mine is uh, something I call game day photos. And I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, but we'll highlight it a little bit more specifically today in this episode. so um i've I've shot for a couple of years now the local high school, Girls basketball team first was what I I got into. And then I uh, it led to my shooting the the boys basketball team, too. And hopefully someday it's going to lead to my being able to do football, too. But so far, <laughs> so far, they, they have an exclusive photographer for that. So, oh, <laughs> so I don't. Yeah, I don't get to go go and do that anyway. Um, it, this wasn't something the school asked me to do. I just decided since I have the opportunity to. Take photos of all these athletes because I do the the team photos, like individuals team, and then I go and shoot some of the games too, and, and get some of the action shots while they're shooting. Um, I I wanted to have some nice ways to capture the individual shots and do something a little different there than they've had in the past, and so I thought I wanted to to take on the work to composite all of them, uh, the individual shots to like a really cool background of the school logo and the colors of the school and. Um, and then I, I took it a little further. Once I started doing that, now I had all these composites of these, these athletes in their individual poses. Um, I thought, well, I could make ads for their games. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I kind of took a look at some of the sports magazines, how they look on their front covers. And I wanted to, to emulate that. I wasn't going to copy it, but I wanted to emulate kind of a sports magazine look and uh, and have these composites be be in there in a way that made them look really really cool as an athlete, something like they were on the cover of of Sports Illustrated or one of those magazines, ESPN the magazine. And um, and so I I didn't have a template. I actually went out and looked and there are some there are lots of templates that that you could go buy that have kind of the background for you, but I wanted to make it so that I learned I had that learning too. That was part of the learning process. So that it's probably not quite the, the level of those magazines. I mean, those people do this for professions. profession. So <laughs> they know what they're doing. Hours and hours yeah. and hours. Yeah, yeah. So right. this, this was kind of, you know, I've done this for, for, well, really, I did it mostly this, one, this last season in 2017, 2018 uh, was when I first did these for all of their games. And uh, so anyway, it was it was really fun to figure it out. Um, I had to figure out even like camera setup. I was, I was nervous about how long this was going to take. I was confident I could get some composites, but this is a lot of them in, in a single season, it's a lot of them to do and it can take a lot of time. So I needed to figure out how do I set up the shot to make it as easy as possible to extract them from the background. And so I did some testing before the days of the shoots, because it's too late to I can't learn that there <laughs> <No Yeah. problem. laughs> yeah. and um, and I, I I set up kind of just in my basement here in my house. I set up some some shooting and had my kids do some posing and see if if I could figure out what to do. I did have a green background, so I tried that out. And I found that to be super hard to work with for extracting. <laughs> really, yeah. really tough. Um, no matter what I did, I was ending up with a color cast on the hair in particular. For sure. Um, I shot my daughter and her the the girl's hair. It was really tough to not have a green color cast just kind of seep onto their hair and make it look funny then. Unless you had a, a green background, it was going to look funny. Yeah. Um, so. Maybe I'm not doing it right. Maybe there's there's things that I could be doing. Maybe, maybe I need flags, Connor. I don't know. Well, but, uh, there is but a it, technique it, in Photoshop called
0: decontaminate color when you do sure, that extraction, I, but I, 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 it's those, still yep. not perfect. Just and there's
2: not. there's
1: also pieces of software that are specifically yep. meant for like chroma key green in particular um, that will help neutralize those. But I, I, I tend to agree with you that green screens are often... Something that people think as a good go to initially and then realize, oh, actually, if I'm trying to make this look compelling and, and good, it it's just not quite right.
2: Yeah. So uh, so I gave up on it be- just because I was like, I, I don't know what I need to do here. Other people seem to be successful with it, but I'm really struggling. So I'm just going to try something else. I just moved on quickly to a different thing. I only had a day or two before the shoot. So I wasn't going to spend the time to figure it out. I have some ideas now, now that I've had a little more experience. I think uh, getting more even lighting would really help too. But anyway, I I went to a a white background. I went to, okay, I'm going to just completely blow out the background. Yeah. Yeah. And my thought was, that'll be super easy to select because it will be so blown out. I can use luminosity masking and I'll just select blown out light and it will be the athlete. And man, does that work great. (laughs) That really does a fabulous job. It's not perfect. Um, Some of the stuff on the uniforms, you have elements that are bright enough that it still kind of gets in there. And I have to do a little bit of uh, working on the mask that gets produced when I do some luminosity masking. But it still is a really fast way to be able to extract somebody. And uh, and it's my go-to now. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna try the green stuff because this works really well. So why change? Yeah. So uh, and and white being as neutral a color as it is, it doesn't look weird to have a person with kind of white highlights in their hair on a red background because lights have white, like if the flash. Yeah. Your normal flash on them would have been white, right? And so it, it looks way more believable than a green cast on their hair. When that looks out of place and just weird, nobody puts a green gel on a flash to take a picture of a person that doesn't. don't do that. So unless it's Halloween, I guess maybe. That. <laughs>
1: well, um, and and looking at the the photos too. And sorry, sorry to stop you there, but looking at all of these, I mean, you you have this kind of like the edge light, that rim light look um about them that's kind of normal in sports anyway so even if you have some spill onto the person i i it it, i wouldn't be able to tell that that wasn't just what you were trying to do
2: anyway right right i'm not trying to make them believe that there wasn't composited together it's it's yeah the look is a composite look so yeah right and you get a much cleaner edge much cleaner everything about it so that's definitely good yeah. So it, it, it just ended up being really fun. And the kids really got into it. Like when we were taking the photos, we had them do, uh, we had him do a couple safe poses so that I had them for mom and dad pictures <laughs> to yeah. make sure that, that, that we had those. Uh, and then I, I said, okay, now what is, what is your thing that you do for the team? Cause I don't know all these kids well enough to be able to tell that. Yeah. And uh, um, and then they'd say, "Well, I I'm a three point shooter, or I'm a defender, whatever it is." And I'd say, "Okay." Or they just had their own idea. Like some some guys just had these poses they wanted to do. Like, all right, whatever, that'll work. And and it was really fun. They got super into it. And then as I created the ads, uh, as they were coming out, and as as I would post them out on social media, the school would be sharing them, and the kids would be sharing them, and and it it got a lot of publicity for me too for uh, as being a a portrait photographer
1: in the area. I can imagine so. Yeah, and something that I like about this in general as a a personal project is not only did it push you to find um, ways of doing a thing that you didn't know how to do, but it also put serious time constraint and like volume constraint, which can be a really fun way to challenge yourself is like, okay, how can I do something that's pretty complex in a higher volume, or how can I learn to do this in a effectively? And I mean, it's a great look, and and one of the things that I love about it is it's none of these is just a template of the other one. It, it I mean, I'm sure that you set things up so you could kind of change things around a bit here and there and still have a basic overall um, thing that you were using, but it, they're all different. Every single one of these is has its own unique look, feel, and it's it's awesome. You have this variety with the consistency of all of them going together um, without it being um, much of like, okay, yeah, I just, I, I cut them out and put them on the exact same thing. Like it shows creativity right. in the background as well as the foreground. And looking at the dates, I'm like, oh man, these are like three days apart. So you either have to edit them <laughs> all yeah. ahead of time or you're you're just constantly having to crank one out in one way or the other. That's That's a serious challenge.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. All all of that together. And, and it, so it challenged me as I'm shooting, how do I do it? The tests beforehand. So I'm ready to shoot. Yeah. Uh, The post-processing, I can't have this take me a year to do these things. I've got to get these out the door or it won't matter that I took them. And uh, so all of that together really challenged me. And I I learned a ton about Photoshop blend layers. I, I had used them a little bit, but this really made me look into blend layers. Mm -hmm. And yeah, And how do I use them for shadows and, and just everything. It was, it was really super fun as a personal project that really helped me with my portrait work, I think. And, and it's, as I've done family portraits, then since doing this, this last season, uh, I have my, the quality of my portraits has risen tremendously. Yeah. Uh, the, the light, the flash that I've been able to add, I learned a lot about doing flash as I did this. So it's, it's just, it's really, really great. It's. As, as if there's listeners out there that are like, I can't do that. That's, <laughs> I'm telling you, you can. I am a yeah. hobbyist. I don't do this professionally, and I, I worked through it. It took some time, but it was so fun, and you can totally do this. Awesome. And one
0: thing I wanted to, to ask you, too, about, Have you mentioned doing the luminosity masking to pull those highlights, the, the white background. Have you also looked at doing, under the layer styles, there's a blend def option? And you can just use that slider to get rid of the pure white background
2: as well. I did. The pro- like I said, the problem is the, like on the, on their uniforms, you can see the, the women's uniform, they have white and, yeah. yeah. you know, on there. And that still was too bright and was ending up being in there. So the yeah. working on the mask, creating the mask, and then being able to just go in and paint black on, on the athlete so that nothing yeah. of them went, yeah. Good point. So, ended up being super easy. Yeah, yeah, that I, w- that I, probably would I be
0: faster do. since you have to do that, that masking anyway, because and
2: then you have guys with white uniforms yeah, and that could be right. a, an extra challenge. The too. man had white uniforms, so that, that would have been really rough to, yeah. to make that right. Yep. Try and dial it in just perfect.
1: Yeah, that's. That would be a challenge. I I can definitely see the argument for using masks over a blend if in this instance. Yeah, the,
2: the thing I've done since then was that a lot of the universities have they have ads now that they put out on social media for their games. So I've been like, as I follow a number of college teams, I've been cop like saving to my phone when I see one that I like really looks cool. I've been saving it off. <laughs> and I want to try to replicate this. I want to see yeah to make it look just like that and uh, and and the backgrounds are super interesting because i I was I came up with all these myself. I didn't really have anything to go from. And uh, now that I've seen theirs, my mine, mine are really basic, pretty simple kinds of backgrounds. and uh, i I have some good ideas from their stuff now. So I'm gonna take it to the next level this next year i I totally. Excellent. The camera roll on my phone is just filled with me taking
1: pictures. I'll see an ad of something, whether it's a a portrait, whatever it might be. If it's just some image that really grabs me, I'll take a picture of it or save it if I see it online. And so I just have tons and tons of other people's work. It's just like, oh, I thought that was cool. And uh, it's the bane of my wife's existence because we'll be walking somewhere and I'll pull out my phone. And she's like, why are you taking a picture of a Gatorade ad? And I'm like, well, it's a good Gatorade. ad. That's awesome. So I, I totally can relate to that feeling there. Good deal.
0: Hey, before we go on to our uh, doodads and, and next topic idea, I was thinking we might talk about, you know, maybe just a few rough ideas on what might be good projects as the seasons are changing here in the Northern Hemisphere. We're coming into fall and winter. And uh, just didn't know if you guys might have any thoughts on things that we could do Uh for, you know, just to maybe inspire our listeners, you know, they don't have to do Flash. They don't have to do, you know, some of these complex Photoshop uh, items maybe. But what else What else might we do uh, as personal projects or as just something to, to challenge us, push us out of our comfort zone? You said I'm not allowed to say use Flash? Well, no. It, <laughs> that's what Connor does. <laughs> that, that's totally fine. I'm just saying if we happen to have an idea that doesn't require the use of Flash, that okay. would also be welcome. That would be welcome as well.
1: Okay, well, I'm just going to start with mine because I I, I sure hope everybody knows by now that I like shooting in studio. And truthfully, that came around because of wintertime. It was something I was shooting all natural light stuff or some natural light with a bit of flash outside, and it just got too cold. So I eventually started shooting in my garage, which was still kind of cold, but it was better than being outside. And that was how I learned flash that was how i learned lighting better than i ever had before i was using flash beforehand and it was kind of putting it in in the spot i knew how to kind of dial it in but i didn't understand placements and all of the different ways that you could use the light until i started moving inside so i would encourage people if it starts to get too cold whether you like shoot oh, it doesn't work so much for landscapes um but well if If you like shooting people, whatever it might be, find ways to shoot indoors and it doesn't, you don't have to use flash necessarily. You can use other lights, just lights that you have around work lights and things like that. But that will help you understand the principles of how light work, light works. And if you understand how light works, you're going to become a much better photographer. So I just encourage somebody move inside and whether you're using really fancy equipment or really basic equipment, just get out some lights and try to figure out how to make great looking images while you're inside because it's cold. You don't want to be outside anyway. And that's really going
0: to help you improve your photography and yeah. just get. Yeah, absolutely. Even if you just want to use window lighting and maybe mm-hmm. you've got like a south facing window light and it's just super harsh coming in. Uh, what I've done is I just go to Walmart and buy some tracing paper and tape it on the window. And suddenly I've got a big softbox. Yeah. So there's lots of very cheap yet creative ways that we can, get into something like this and moving indoors yeah if you if you're wanting to shoot but you don't feel like getting out in the cold excellent idea that's awesome any chance my, you happen to have any idea there jeff
2: oh yeah so here's here's my idea this is this is the thing i want to try to do this winter um so i i have yet to really get a really good fall photo and part of it's because i i don't have i what i really need to be able to do is Go be uh, in the mountain at the, like a, a high point so I can get a lot of leaves in the in the photo yeah. at the right time of day and it just doesn't work with my schedule. I can't be there for that. So um, uh, you know, Saturday, Sunday, something like that. I need to figure that out when my kids don't have soccer games and <laughs> and, and and I can get to it. But but what I, I I decided to do. I did take one. It's probably my best. It's not a, a spectacular one, but it's the best I've got so far. Um, just out of my deck, like the, the lighting was just really nice a few nights ago. And so I went and took, there's, there's a mountain hill right in my backyard that has a bunch of fall color on it. And, um, and so I, I took a photo and my, my objective was to make a phone background, Okay. That's no, what I, I wanted know. to do because everyone wants nice backgrounds to put on their phones right now. And yeah. the thing that's different about that is the orientation because you are definitely a portrait orientation. That's what people mm-hmm. want on their phone backgrounds is a portrait orientation. And we almost always do landscapes as in landscape orientation. Right. That's why it's called that. And um, and so so having that perspective of I want to get a really nice shot of winter, fall, whatever season mm-hmm. we're in. And I want to make it so that I can, and, and then offering it, even publishing it out as a free background is a good way to be able to advertise your website even, or your services as a photographer, as you know, you can put it out there. Here's some free backgrounds of, uh, whatever your local area is. It's, so it's, it could serve even as a marketing purpose, but even challenging now, because your composition's limited to portrait mode. And how are you going to get capture a good shot of the, your surroundings in portrait orientation? That is a fun
0: challenge. Yeah, that's great, and I, and I think I remember uh, you posting one of those on Facebook. Um, is, is that the same idea that you were talking about? Yeah, yeah, yep. that's awesome. Good. Uh, one thing that I ha- thought of that does involve getting out in the cold is if it gets really cold for you and you you're willing to brave the cold, um, what I've done in the past is I'll set up a sprinkler out in the uh, the icy temperatures and just let it run all night, and then you get just this really awesome ice sculpture kind of thing going in the, uh, in the yard. Uh, you know, the, the little, each little blade of grass has its own covering of ice and everything like that. And that can be really fun and interesting to look at. Maybe you can spray ice on spray water on other objects. Like uh, we also have a cherry tree out front. So the wife didn't care for that to get all cake <laughs> ice, but I was like, oops, sorry. Still made for some pretty cool subjects. Um, oops, sorry Yeah, <laughs> it still produces cherries so that's good, I didn't kill it um, and then also think about fall color abstracts and what I think about there is either considering uh, kind of like a double exposure option or a multi-exposure option where you blend these items in Photoshop, I've got a link in the show notes to a project I did uh, just a little bit ago, probably just about a year ago I uh, went down and photographed some poplar trees They we got some really famous, uh, tree farms in, uh, Boardman, Oregon. That's only about an hour away. So I went down there with a friend and, and photographed, uh, some poplar trees down there. And then I made this really abstract kind of a radial, uh, blend kind of an idea there. Uh, or even just rent something that you would norm- not normally shoot at all. Like, I don't know, Canon makes an eight to 15 millimeter or whatever, but renting some gear and just going crazy for a weekend, uh, shooting just that piece of gear that that could get you you know some extra creativity going too just for fun kind of an idea so just some things for you know make some suggestions for also if you guys have suggestions in the facebook group we'd love to hear those and see those and see what you guys are doing
1: I have one last one that's sure. pretty short,
0: absolutely, and it's
1: it kind of goes in the same direction as what I was talking about shooting indoors to understand light. Um, and it speaks directly to the people that don't feel like they're comfortable in Photoshop, and that is go into Photoshop, play sure. around in there. You you have a whole season that's cold. If you're not going to be shooting constantly, just go in there and start playing around with the tools because that it. it it's not as complicated as it seems. There's a thousand different ways to do different things but realistically if you know how to do five or ten things really well you can get really far with Photoshop. So I I talk to a lot of people that are like oh I just don't understand Photoshop at all and they're great photographers otherwise. I'm like well just imagine what you could do then if you understood even a few things here. So I I would just encourage people to go in don't be afraid you're not going to break the application and just go play around try things out and figure out what everything does because then when you have an instance that you say you know what i need to do this and i don't know how i can well now you have some some basic language where you can say well i kind of understand how masks work now so i imagine i could do something with that and that's that's one other thing that i would say
0: to do excellent that's great all right now it's time for our doodads of the week and jeff let's have you start off
2: all right, my doodad is one I have recommended before, but we have new listeners all the time. And I like to repeat them occasionally just because they uh, it, it'll tell you that I'm still using it and I still like it. And sometimes when we recommend things or they're the doodads of the week, we have barely got them and you don't know how they last over time. So this is the Photodiox F60 Quick Collapse Flash Softbox. It runs about 70 bucks on Amazon. And I love this thing. It's uh, It's really good or as a softbox, it's an inexpensive way to get into it. And it, that's kind of one of the key things that I, I want to make sure I help listeners with, making it so it's not too expensive to get into it. And, and you can go try it out. And $70, I know it may sound like a lot to, <laughs> to some people as something you're not sure you're going to do, but as softbox prices go, that's that's pretty good. That's very good, yeah. Yeah, so, and and it's it, it's good. I do have to say the handle on the first one I got did finally break after like three years of using it. I had the handle break, and it's not the kind of thing that it's modular enough that you can buy just the handle. So you have to replace mm-hmm. the whole thing. But, at, you know, for three years, $70, that's, it's a heck of a deal, and it does a fantastic job. I love it so much. Even though the handle broke, and i, I it may again, as I use it, I bought another one because I really like it. So that's my recommendation. Okay? I think
1: that's a great recommendation, and if you're in there looking at Photodax softboxes anyway, look around at their other line other boxes that they have because they have a lot of really great products that I, it's my light modifier of choice and they are always so much more affordable than many of the other companies without sacrificing much in the way of uh sturdiness and,
0: and steadfastness. <laughs> Stead, that's a beautiful word. Steadfastness. Yes. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> so Cotter is your doodad steadfast.
1: Um, Well, We'll see in the way that Jeff said (laughs) that oftentimes doodads come up because they're a new thing that we've got. That's this thing. So based on my last doodad that I recommended and this one, I think that it's pretty obvious to tell that I am – on the tail end of busy season and had a little bit of money to spend on things that i wanted and needed and this one is not an inexpensive doodad but it's a a western digital eight terabyte mycloud ex ultra drive it's a network attached drive that i am using as an additional form of backup i i had the misfortune of losing a couple i think it was a month and a half worth of photos earlier this year and since then i've kind of gotten the bug and just it's gotten in my brain that i need to be crazy about making sure that i have redundancy in my backups at all times and this was kind of the final step the jewel in the crown of my backup system and it 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 is pretty awesome so far it's it's just a cloud connected network drive Um, but i using carbon copy cloner i'm able to automatically set up backups to go to this cloud drive that is away from everything else. So I have redundant drives on my computer working at all times and this. And on top of that, uh, not only is it an eight terabyte drive, but it actually has USB 3.0 ports on the back. It has two of them that allows you to hook up other drives to it and use that as a Ooh. part of your network system as well. So I'm I haven't done it yet. Um, beyond just playing around and making sure that it's feasible. But I'm actually going to set up my Drobo. I need to get a quieter fan for the Drobo because it can get kind of noisy. Um, but I'm going to set up my Drobo and connect it to this thing. So I have an entire RAID system that is network-attached that I can just have regularly backup to this network drive. Which, awesome, yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's great for a backup, but the fact that it's got the cloud abilities, you're not saying you're sending it to the cloud, but you could probably access it from anywhere. With logging into it, is that how it, it works?
1: Yeah, yeah. So you have a web browser that you're able to access any files anywhere that you go, as long as you have web access nice. as well. So yeah, you can't send stuff to the cloud. If I if I'm away on a trip, I can't upload things to that drive, but I can at least access anything that I have on there um, from anywhere, which is great because I I do a lot of my regular workflow on not small drives, they're two terabyte drives, but two terabytes as a full-time photographer fills up relatively quickly. Right. And so I have to offload every couple of months all of these photos and occasionally run into situations where, oh, I kinda need these photos and I, I have to now wait until I get home and can connect to my, um, my Drobo system to be able to get them. And now I don't have that
2: worry. You may want to check and see if there's a firmware update for it, Connor, because Western Digital MyCloud had some problems with security. So They did, and I've actually I've addressed
1: that. They did okay, have a firmware good. update, and I was, I was looking into that. Also, one, one minor note with this, uh, they have two products that sound very similar. They have the MyCloud EX Ultra or EX2 Ultra, which is what I have. And the one that they're pushing now is MyCloud Home. And the MyCloud Home is a quote unquote smart device, which means that it's dumbed down for consumers. <laughs> uh, and so I actually made the mistake of buying the MyCloud Home, realizing it didn't allow me to do nearly as much in the way of controlling the way that I access the drive. I couldn't even access it as an administrator. Oh my. Uh, And which I'm sure is great for somebody that just wants to torrent movies and watch them on their TV or something. But for my instances, that was not great. It was almost the exact same price between the two. But just be aware that the MyCloud home is not the same thing as the MyCloud. EX2 Ultra. EX2 Ultra. All right. Awesome.
0: My doodad of the week is actually something that probably most of you already have something comparable to already, but it is the iPhone 8 Plus. I finally updated my long lasting iPhone 5C, which I don't know, I've had it for about six years or so. And this 8 Plus is a fantastic upgrade. I'm loving the much more storage. I was on 16 gigs before, uh, only about 12 usable. So I just wasn't able to do much with that phone, with the apps that I wanted to be on there. And then uh, I've got 256 on this one. And then, of course, the much better camera. So I'm looking forward to just really getting used to that and shooting more uh, with the iPhone as I have uh, much more storage and and just that much better camera. So, yeah, it's just a great upgrade. I'm really enjoying all those new items on there. And it's just going to last me hopefully another six years like my first smartphone did. Well, listeners, thank you so much for being here and being a part of this conversation and listening. And if you're on the uh, on the Facebook, certainly find our group. And uh, we we look for some interaction there. You can certainly find us at masterphotographypodcast.com. That's the new home for the show. We got all the show notes there and uh, the information there about the shows. Certainly our Facebook group, Master Photography Podcast. And when you ask to join the group, you'll need to answer one little question and that's about just naming one of the hosts. So either the three of us or Erica or Brian would work. And we've even had people answer Lord Page. And I figured, well, <laughs> they're obviously listening. So we're yeah, going to go ahead. They know and who that is. We're going to go ahead and uh,
2: authorize them as well. Uh, so Jeff, where can they find your work? Yep, jsharmanphotos.com for my portfolio and podcast.com for the other podcast I do on photography, more of a technical kind of deep dive focus in each of the episodes. And
0: Connor, how about yourself?
2: Um, people can find me on
1: Instagram at Connor Hibbs Photography, on Facebook at my name's
0: Connor Hibbs.
1: Um, my website is ConnorHibbs.photography, and the other podcast that I am on is at portrait
0: All right, and you can find me online at my main website, brentbergherm.com. And two things that I want to point out there, I've got two workshops figured out for this summer, and I'm thinking of making one for the Oregon coast as well. But the first one that's there is for Chile, total solar eclipse happening in July, looking so forward to that. So we're going to spend a few days capturing that eclipse, I should say planning for and capturing that eclipse And then we're going to head on out over to Easter Island for a fantastic adventure out there. And then later this summer, I've got one for Croatia. So look those items up. You can also find me at LatitudePhotographyPodcast.com. And then you can also find me on Instagram at BrentBergherm. And basically, with that new doodad that I mentioned, I don't have an excuse anymore because I'm really loving this thing with a bigger camera, a much better camera, and a much more storage, and I'm going to be doing a lot more Instagram stuff now that I can actually do that, uh, whereas my previous phone, it just wasn't, wasn't working so well. I've also got some groups on Facebook, so if you were to search me up, you can find the different groups that I have also on Facebook for my Latitude Photography group and then my Workshops group, so... Yeah, lots of places to find me. So anyway, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again in another seven days.